you are in for a treat. Today I chat with Peter Pan. Well, not exactly. I chat with my big brother, Adam Pettuccini, the closest thing you'll ever come to meeting Peter Pan. Adam lives in LA running his business Lifestyle by Adam Pettuccini, fondly known as LAP. He has never stood still, exploring the many facets of his talents, which has led him to pursue careers in outdoor education, modeling, dancing, acting, and personal training. This was certainly a different tack to the rest of the interviews on the podcast to date. We knew we wanted to share our love of adventure and how it has shaped both of our lives and how it has helped both of us in the pursuit of athletic goals and exploring human potential. Adam shares insightful experiences of how his childhood shaped his natural desire to to explore and how the challenges that present themselves to adventure have shaped his life for the better. I hope this podcast inspires you to step outside your comfort zone in the pursuit of expressing your human and athletic potential or to simply find the joy in your everyday. You've done all the right things. You followed the program, but you're tired and the results are hard to come by. You know there has to be a better way. Perhaps you're struggling to put the puzzle pieces together from training, recovery, nutrition, gut health, to hormone health and optimal wellness. Each season on Healing Grumpy Athletes podcast, your host, Katie Pettuccini from Holistic Endurance, will help put the puzzle pieces together and ensure you can achieve and express your athletic potential holistically. Katie is a self-confessed hormone nerd, endurance coach, wellness advocate, and triathlete, here to educate, inspire, and distill wisdom in an effort to shift up endurance norms. Grab yourself an almond latte, a herbal tea, or perhaps a red wine to focus your mind enjoy the show welcome back to healing the grumpy athletes podcast i have my brother adam Pettuccini with us (laughs) this is going to be problematic i can feel it (laughs) not really not really no we'll be fine we'll be fine i promise i won't tell i won't tell anyone about you (laughs) i knew that was going to come up (laughs) no this is not a show about embarrassing your sister this is okay. about you talking about a sense of adventure. Mm, yes. You and I were very yes. fortunate to grow up in an adventurous life. And mm-hmm. I think at times it's easy to take that for granted. It's kind of like it's just what we knew, it's what we did, it's what we were introduced to. And I think as we've both grown up, we've gone, oh, this wasn't, this wasn't the way for everyone else. And I think yeah. that adventurous spirit has impacted both our lives in a positive way, but even more so yourself. So where does your adventurous spirit come from? Um, well, it's you, it's one of those million-dollar questions that you, people review. You know, if you take the time to review who we are as individuals and... Um, and what makes us tick and where we come from and our parents and our childhood. Um, it's, you know, there's certainly individuals um, who I can point the finger at. There's certainly circumstances that I could say influence my sense of adventure. Um, but I also think it's just about a sense of nurturing from, um, from a child and, and what experiences we have and how they kind of reflect um, on who we become. And I think I had a, growing up, had a 
um, you know, a little unconventional life, I suppose. Um, us both having, you know, different father and um, you know, kind of having just my mum there for a little while, and not having two or having a you know a direct father figure. Um, shaped a sense of individuality um, to who I am. Um, and then, you know, in reflection now, I look back and I see that I had uh, a stepfather who was uh, a whitewater kayak instructor, an adventurer, and, you know, um, you know sort of a, a very forward-thinking and intelligent guy. And then I had my biological father who was, had this amazing sense of enjoyment and fun and creative and well, you would say he's creative, but he's <laughs> definitely got a sense of, um, you know, happiness Spirit. and vibrance to him that he brings to a room. Um, so, I, you know, you take us that situation, having, um, um, you know, parents being divorced, um, living in a, in a family home where your the, the male role model is not your biological father and... Um, you take a child who's got excess, copious, an abundance <laughs> of extra energy and, you know, you, you um, try to sit him down for five minutes and that's not going to happen. The, the, that individual is going to, you know, start crawling at the walls and, and want to expand and, and want to see what's out there. And, you know, when you it's, – it's great being – people talk about being older as this um, – degradation of who they are and they're getting slower or this and that and for me the old years have been giving me such enlightenment to who I am as a person because I have a sense of reflection on those those situations and um you know and the, and the question where does it come from where does that adventure spirit come from you know I I can now say that while I can't pinpoint one person or circumstance it's a combination of different father figures, it's a combination of being hyperactive, it's um, being um, somewhat, you know, naturally having a physical ability in terms of sport and um, climbing and movement and all those sort of things. Uh, so, you you know, you're kind of like a, a good shopping list, you put all those in a basket and you, you've got a trolley full of um, food and, and you're ready to make a meal and so, you know, I've... Um, to me, that was that was the adventure spirit. That was the outdoors. That mm-hmm. was being active. That was finding the, um, the mundane. Well, just finding the joy in play. I think play is such a, a valuable word that we can that we we overlook and we don't understand what it actually means to play. Um, I think back early years when you know i mean we all played as kids but i had i had a i remember watching um like watching cartoons in the morning you know we used to sit and watch cartoon and the rescue rangers and then you know i would watch the rescue rangers and and want to dress up like a bloody chipmunk and go out and you know do abseiling off the tree or or you know just just kind of spend the day exploring and I would crawl through the we had a high school at the back where we grew up and I would jump the fence and just go and crawl through the bushes so I could feel like I was in the jungle somewhere or, you know, just, it was just this sense of imagination and playfulness that kind of, that I, 
that I found such joy and happiness in. And, and the older I've got, I've, um, you know, I call myself the Peter Pan. It's you know I've kind of haven't lost that um, ability to be able to play. And I think that's also a testament to kind of my work as a, an actor. Um, you know, you're encouraged. You're um, to to have play and to to be imaginative, um, and so I think that's given me a, a an input or an ability to be able to continue on that that sense of adventure. So mm. it's a very very long winded way of telling you how it all started, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think it, it just came from having a, a unique experience, a personality type, and then um, you know just having a, a, um, a pretty wild imagination. Yeah, there's no doubt that your natural ability, then the flow and effect to me, I think created my competitive spirit mm. because there was never, in my mind, there was, there was no physical way I was ever going to beat you. Um, eight years younger than you, this little girl, but no matter what, I was trying to beat you. <laughs> I just wanted to do what my brother's doing. And this sense of adventure then filtered down through competitiveness um, in a positive way. And I think that's then fueled my pursuits as well. Um, yeah. Looking back on the adventurous spirit and where it was cultivated from and those role models and, and being Peter Pan, how do you think that's impacted your life positively? Obviously, there's many ways and areas that I can see but what would be the number one area that you think has had the greatest positive impact from that adventurous spirit um I suppose a real turning point came when I finished high school um and just the you know in reflection now the learning system and the education system is just it's very very narrow-minded in terms of how it teaches us and, the, and the, the environment that it puts us as kids in to learn. Um, you know, I had a pretty negative experience in terms of learning and I still as an adult um, struggle with the, the concept of, of learning but in a book, in a kind of school kind of context, um, that learning is, is quite a, a, you know, traumatic experience for me. So... When I finished high school, that was kind of like the conclusion of 12 years of being told what to do, how to do it, what to learn, how to learn, and none of that gelled with me and I just I had a sense of what next, um, where to go, didn't get anywhere near an, uh, you know, um, an enter score that was would you know allow me any kind of further education and that's what all my friends were doing and I was like that's what I felt like I needed to do because that's what the status quo was you know there was you know um unfortunate you know my parents probably didn't understand that pressure but there was definite pressure from parents to to say oh what you know what education what degree are you going to get now um and so I had a year where I went to Swinburne and studied a sport rec administration course. And while that was fun and enjoyable, I met some great people. But again, I was in that classroom environment and didn't really get anything out of it. And then an opportunity arose at my old high school, De La Salle in Malvern, um, where I could be an outdoor ed assistant teacher. And it, like while it was probably a bit of a gap year just decision at the time, it, 
it turned out to be probably one of the most um, enjoyable years um, of my life and why, you know, still to this day sort of in some, in, you know, summarising why I enjoyed it so much was it was that I lived in a tent, you know, effectively for a year because we were away on, on camp um, four days of the week. We'd have one day you know, on the Friday back in um, town and then the weekend was to, my, to myself. So that year taught me about simplicity. It taught me about, um, you know, I was in a learning environment. I was at a school. I was being a teacher. But the learning outcome that I was able to provide these children and these kids that were on the camp was was far greater than I thought they would be able to have in their in their school environment, and and that gave me an opportunity to to see the value, to appreciate the worth of the outdoors as a learning experience. But then also, what it taught me was that you don't need much. You know, I had one of the funnest, most you know, enjoyable years of my life because. It was just really simple. It was take kids out, do activities with them, um, engage with them, have pers- have human contact with them. There was no internet um, or phone sort of technology there. Um, and from that, it really bred this um, an awareness of that life can just get really complicated, but when you strip it back to its bare, bare roots and you just say, okay, this is me being outdoors, this is me just living in the elements. That's that's enough excitement for, for any person to kind of wrap, wrap their head around. So um, I think that, that whole year was a real transformation for me. And, and then from there I was like, okay, um, this education system that I've been trying to um, navigate and understand is, is not for me. And after that year I got into acting and, um, you know, from there on it was um, – being yeah, Peter Pan different. every day. <laughs> What's that? Being Peter Pan every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, lots of kids shows, the pantomimes, and you know, I've dressed up as Peter Pan numerous times. Spider Man. <laughs> I don't mind a bit of spandex. <laughs> <laughs> Should I get uh, listeners to hear your story about the Spider Man suit and the the toilet no. break? Yeah, the toilet. Yeah, wing in Spider Man's head. Yeah. <laughs> I might leave that one for today, but uh, listeners can reach out to Adam for that one. It's a goodie. <laughs> but I think you raise a really good point that maybe listeners might not have drawn a, a, um, a relationship with with that simplicity of the outdoors and simplicity of life and what it can bring you in in a endurance racing or training format. I think it's really common, and I've done it, we, we get wrapped up in our heads of the numbers or the competition or comparing against others or the next fancy, shiny, materialistic yep. item to buy where I think people can bring this sense of adventure and simplicity into the world of endurance training and events, even though it is at times quite a materialistic and superficial sport, if you focus on that end of it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was. Um, I mean, I've done one Ironman. Um, thanks to you, <laughs> that was your idea. Um, you will do but, another. Did you uh, know yeah. that? Well, 
I saw the ultra was on a couple of weeks or last weekend, so maybe that maybe I'll do that ultra. See what happens. Oh yeah, you'll be doing that, and you'll be crewing for either Mick or I doing that. But uh, okay. I don't know if you remember the deal. But once I beat your time, you are locked in to doing Iron Man again. Okay. Well, well, without the viewers knowing what my time was, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, continue. Uh, yeah. uh, the Iron Man process um, doing that it was um, it was. I'm not a, a triathlete per se. It's not a something that I've pursued, you know, lots of time in. But um, you know, I'm probably running's my probably strongest leg, and then the ride, decent ride. I'm a, you know fairly short, um, strong person. So as an athlete, you know, when I train the bike, it, it kind of yields pretty good results. But the swimming, not so much. But again, I was you know swim squad growing up. Um, so I had a you know decent amount of natural ability in all those events, but it's definitely the, the thing that I was aware of. I thought I'm only going to do you know effectively do this one race, and you know kind of that's it. It's not going to be something I pursue beyond that unless I got the bug. But um, yeah, it was how do I come about this training that I have to do well that I need to be doing that I want to do. And not find that mundane, not find it boring. Um, and how do I make it exciting and challenging for myself? And and it, when I kind of broke it down a little bit by bit, it was I didn't really do a lot of programming. Um, you know, while I knew that Tuesdays and Thursdays were my swim day, I just went to a swim squad. Um, and I knew we'd probably knock out four or five kilometers. Um, I was training. I do a lot of strength training, which um, for me was kind of the key. And I think, you know, it's a whole different subject, but I think strength training is something that endurance athletes just neglect and very stupidly. I think there's a lot of more value out of that that they can achieve. And so for me, it was, you know, um, doing the strength component but then when it came to the rides and the um and the runs it was i be, i incorporated it into everyday life as much as possible it was running to work um in the dark um i did heaps of night running because i just found that um preoccupied my mind a little bit um just had a good head torch i then would do runs where i didn't use a head torch at all and went to um which is, you know, it's risky in itself. But for me, that kind of added another element of adventure to, to the run. It wasn't just a, um, a 10K run that I had to do. It was a, a 10K adventure run that, um, you know, was, had a different element to it. So just little things like that. I would, you know, I'd swap out my road bike for a mountain bike ride you know, at least every second week or something um, and make it a, a mountain bike ride and then a trail run. Um, you know, swims, um, we went away for a weekend and I did like an island crossing um, one day. Um, so, and you know, I, it was... I know you flippantly like brush over that as, like I just did it. But I think that's, I mean, it summarises who you are and your adventurous spirit and 
the, the way you've been brought up, that those things do come quite naturally to you. For some people yeah. to run in the dark is a really big yeah. deal. It's There's all this yeah. fear, anxiety, apprehension. It's an absolute, like, no, no, I'm not going there. Um, yeah. And so I think if people can be curious about that sense of adventure and wonder if, okay, if I viewed this run in the dark as a playful activity or to pursue adventurous spirit, it takes away from that fear and anxiety um, of being in the dark. Or as you said, to you it was this positive because you just folk it gave you other elements to focus on. So you're not focusing on the dark and the scary and the... The boogie monsters. The boogie monsters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which you were scared of a fair bit growing up. Well, too, I was not. Rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, I know, I absolutely do. I take it... I, you know, I'm now... Um, my wife... Um, you know, I've taken her on some crazy sort of expeditions... Whitewater kayaking down Grade Four Rapids when she's never kayaked before, or um, taking her on this hike where it was torrential rain for three days, and I just said, "Oh, it's okay. We'll sleep in the cave." Um, and luckily, she, you know, she was she's very adept to that kind of sense of adventure. But for me, it was I didn't even question it. And we tell other people those stories, and they look at us frowning and thinking. And this is like what you've been known, you've known each other for like a couple of months now, and he's taking you on these dates. And weren't you scared? Weren't you worried? And you know that's probably why I married my wife. It's because she wasn't. But I do, I do definitely have an appreciation for 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 how other people um, view that mm. um, those kind of elements. And I think that's where my joy comes from. Now it's it's. For me, it's so natural, it's so comfortable, but allowing people to to come away on walks with me or if I take them on an adventure or, um, you know, trying to get more people in the world to, to see what's out there. And absolutely by no means am I suggesting everyone goes and does a night run because, um, you know, there's so many risks involved. But it might mean going for a track run at night when the moon's, you know, it's a full mm. moon, so there's enough light to see. Um, it, you know, it just, we we fall into this habitual pattern of what we're used to, and I think as soon as we can roll the dice a little bit, change things up a little bit, um, you know, things can, things just become a little bit more interesting. You know, I, I dread and hate when <laughs> my car has to get serviced but I also know that that's the day that I'm going to go for a fun run mm. because I've got to drop the drop the car off to get serviced and the only way back is to, to run or ride. So, you know, those days are, for me, it's like, okay, this is incorporating that element of fitness and um, an adventure to it. Yeah, I'm certainly glad you met your wife and married your wife because uh, the focus <laughs> was taken off me, <laughs> onto her, getting her into sticky situations. But... Um, Growing up, whenever I was scared, I'm pretty sure I wasn't scared of the boogie monster, but if I was scared because of one of the crazy adventures you were taking me on, you you would always say, but what if it was an adventure? What if you just treat this like an adventure, you know, I'm five or whatever I am? Yeah. And that did change my perspective in my mind and it still impacts me today. I went for a night run 
um, on Monday and it was freezing cold, but I didn't care. I loved it. You know, the stars were out, the moon was shining, and I just looked for spots on the trail where the moon was coming through as my light. And it's those moments that absolutely gravitate me to that rather than being scared of that or um, I think I'm quite unique or I find I'm quite unique in terms of talking to triathletes that I don't get scared in the open water Um, because I wasn't brought up I guess not yeah I wasn't brought up wrapped in cotton wool you threw me in no matter what (laughs) what I wanted I had yeah Yeah, it tried to drown me many of times and I'm sure that (laughs) put me in good stead to not have open water anxiety somehow um, I've only ever panicked once in the water and that's 13 years of racing. And that was because I had all this pressure about times and numbers and beating people. It had nothing to do with the water. Mm. Yeah, there's, yeah, as triathletes, um, you know, and as sports people in general, that's, we're attracted to, to it for a particular reason. And I think a lot of that is... Um, the vulnerability that we feel and, and mm. sort of confronting confronting it. And, you know, m- most people, you know, the concept of uh, an Ironman start with all those people, it's like it's very intimidating. It's very, you know, the, the doubt, all those sort of things come into play. But I genuinely on the start line for me, I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. <laughs> Hopefully I don't get kicked in the face. Here no, you you were the one elbowing people in the face. <laughs> I um I strategically positioned myself right behind Adam because I knew he would clear a very clear path for me in the water. Uh, I was very gentle. I was very sportsmanlike, but it was uh, you know someone doesn't put themselves in that situation. Um, and there's not going to be an element of um, how they're feeling about it. You know, we're all, I was thinking, you know, thinking about the race ahead and how am I going to, am I going to finish it and, you know, but there would have been lots of other people, like you said, worrying about uh, the, the water, the people, will I make it around? I'm sure for a lot of people it was probably the first time they'd swum that distance maybe. Um, and so the human psychology of that putting themselves in that situation I think is is an amazing thing and and the more we can identify and appreciate that sense of vulnerability and how it it stretches us makes us grow it develops us into more rounded human beings you know the better and I think even though you know, the sense of adventure for me comes easy for other people who doesn't. I think it's using, you know, maybe people like me or other role models in their life to say, okay, that person's done it, I can do it too. And, um, you know, it it can be as little or as big as, as people want to push it, but as long as people are exploring and um, looking at, at that, ability to be able to be adventurous in everyday circumstances and and find a little bit of joy in it even you know when it's not joyous at the time there's a um there's kind of a rating scale that i use for enjoyment it's like a rating one 
it's instantaneous. It's on the moment. It's like skydiving would be a, a you know type one fun, I call it. And then type two is mm, it's not very fun while you're doing it, but then when it's finished, it's amazing. I.e., and I. My man. <laughs> yeah, as soon as it's over, you're like bang, that was amazing. And then there's type three that takes about a month or more mm. to kind of get over it and enjoy that that feeling. So, you know, there's it doesn't have to be instantaneous. It doesn't have to be that type one enjoyment all the time. But you you know, I'd argue that anyone who's felt a sense of fear, vulnerability, and they push through it, and when they get to the other side, whether or not it's type three, and <laughs> it's a couple of months later, you know, they can say, yeah. I had fun. It was good. I'm never doing it again, but I've done it. And, you know, I think that's all we can ask of, uh, of our souls is to, to try things, um, even if it's a little bit, um, you know, I think the thought process that we have to go through is that process is, is far more important than how big or how fast or how much we do and, you know, we try to do. Yeah, not being afraid of fear or, mm. like, seeing it as a positive and an opportunity to be vulnerable and see what you may learn about yourself on the other side. Mm. Yeah, I, I remember when I was, um, I think it was about 16, and I went on this away on this hike with, um, it was like a special wilderness group that I was with, and... We went on a hike and very confidently said, oh, I'm just going to the toilet, walked off, went to the, the toilet and then went to find the campsite. And in that time, it had, the sun had gone down. We are in very dense shrub and bush and couldn't find the path. I couldn't find my campsite. And I, I remember at the time I was like lost for, you know, it was probably about close to two or two and a half hours thinking, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm done for here and, you know, my my voice, the anxiety in my voice, I couldn't, I can, I can normally wolf whistle. I couldn't wolf whistle. I couldn't even really yell because I was like, the anxiety was in my voice, mm. you know. Um, and ever since that moment, there's been numerous other occasions now since that I've been lost or I've been in danger or, or, you know, things have gone wrong when we've been out in the wilderness. And it's, I, I'm, transported back to that first experience and now I breathe I I sit down I evaluate where I am um what do I have with me you know what start thinking of a, a more of a logical plan instead of when I was 16 running around the bush frantically trying to say help me help me oh, can anyone hear me help trying to <laughs> just being a, a <laughs> um running around like a headless chook I now um um, stop, think, and, and reevaluate. But, um, you know, in the moment we get caught up, and the more we can have a, a sense of stopping, thinking, looking at our immediate environment, where is the actual problem, how are we addressing it, um, you know, and in other times it's we had a, a gentleman broke his collarbone on a river and we had to be air backed out, you know, and I was the first on the scene and addressed the first aid and, you know, the, 
the automatic response sort of kicked in and I was able to assess and evaluate because I was calm. Um, I was able to say, we've got this. Um, and I had more of a, a resilience and a confidence in my ability that I would be able to get us out of that situation. Which is a great example of why we should... Um in life encourage our kids and ourselves to explore challenges and adventure that push us to limits because doing if we didn't explore those limits we we don't step up and grow like you're just experiencing you wouldn't have had those skills in that situation had you not previously say that experience when you were 16 uh learned the hard way and that's where we don't have to be afraid of the tough stuff or the hard stuff it's just on the other end, if we can utilise that to learn from, there's still value in the hard stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's kind of the, the value of the hard stuff is such a, a good word because you know, the, the triathlon world and um, you know, any endurance sport, any kind of um, sport where we test ourselves physically, is, you know, so much of that is mental uh, ability and capacity and um, I think when we when we put ourselves in those challenges and when we challenge our children to be um, responsible for their own actions and their own critical thinking when we get into those tough situations as adults it's not a we don't crumble we don't mm. fall under the pressure and same as when you're in a race it's something goes wrong it's like how do you respond do you go oh my race is over what do you say well no nah, i'm gonna do this um you know and if if it is over how are you how is that how do you feel about that um are you okay with it because you know are you is it a race yes did you put a lot of effort and time into it yes is this the end okay but what have you got out of that experience um I, you know or how did you fix the tire or you know was there a solution that you could have found at the time if you'd been more, had an ability to be critical, have critical um, thinking in that moment? Um, it's funny, I had a, a client ring me recently who she's a free diver and she's been told to keep out of the out of um, swimming for, I think it was like a week, and she had a competition coming up and I said, okay, well, if you missed a week of training, and she was devastated. She'd go, oh, I'm really flat. I've got nothing. I don't know. I said, okay, well, if you miss a week of free diving training, you don't, because she obviously can't do any exercise because it was affecting her lungs. So it was just a sedentary kind of environment that she needed to be in. I said, could you effectively, what would that week represent of non-training? And she said, well, I don't know, I'd be able to do the competition. I said, well, could you do the competition if you didn't train for a week? And the answer was yes. I said, okay. Well, she goes, but I wouldn't perform to my best ability. And I said, okay, well, then when would the next opportunity be to perform? She goes, oh, two months later. And this person couldn't see that, that a month, two months' time wasn't really such a big deal. I know people who are gold medalists, you know, at the Olympics who are, due to win a gold medal and, and they fall on their practice run the day before mm. and they're out of the Olympics. And I said, those, those person got, people have got to wait four years for the next opportunity to win that gold medal. Mm. You know, you've got to wait a couple of months. <laughs> you know, it's... Perspective. So it's perspective on, on your circumstance, the situation you are. Is it be all and end all? Probably not. But 
you know, look back on that moment in time and you realise how did I, what happened out of it as a um, repercussion or the learning from it, you realise that more often than not we've had a learning outcome but we just didn't recognise that it was going to be one in the future. Mm. Yeah, perspective is king and um, I think athletes that regret a decision in a race or an event is only when they gave in to all that doubt and fear as opposed to step up with logical perspective. Um, so that is certainly a strong message. For those that perhaps aren't naturally adventurous and do have trepidation and or going in a trail run or finding a trail would be completely out of their norm or comfort zone what wisdom would you have for them to help them take that first step to be curious about what adventure how adventure could serve them and add to their life i think you this adventure the wilderness outdoor the bush whatever kind of way you view it uh, a lot of that fear comes from the unknown um so my and kind of a safety element i suppose so my first port of call would be to someone find a buddy um and try something together um you know we've always got one of those friends that maybe we're a little bit competitive with or someone that pushes us a little bit um physically i would be getting someone else like them say hey look i would like to try a trail run you know for a simple thing um and see if you can get them involved it would be going for a little day day walk um just seeing what you know it's like to be outside uh in that kind of environment you know people talk about the australian bush that there's snakes everywhere mm-hmm. okay? okay that's that's a that's a i you know for myself i have to find myself saying okay that's someone's genuine fear i'm i can't um you know i can't acknowledge that or accept it so you know was, you could find a, a suburban park for example where it's kind of dense shrub or um you know there's a lot of environments that you can find where the, the, you know the snakes aren't there or <laughs> the crocodiles or the bears <laughs> no, but it's you know, it's, you know it's, it's there's definite definite ways that people can think in their immediate uh, environment think okay i'm gonna today i'm gonna try um a hike with a friend at the local um, creek. Um, I know Australia has, you know, lots of, particularly in Melbourne and Victoria, there's mm. there's lots of little creeks that you could go and um, explore uh, and do those sort of things. Um, and when failing, it comes to things, that, yeah, I was going to say when it comes to things like uh, snakes, for example, they're more scared of us than we are of them, and they're well, yeah. they're, they're going to get out of the way when they hear you coming. And um, not only that. It's a good story, you know. It makes life a little bit more exciting to go back to work and tell everyone about the snake that you saw on your run. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. And that's always for me been the the real enjoyment of outdoor adventure stuff. It's the unknown. It's the stories that you come back with. Um, you know, everyone. You know, you whenever you're at a dinner party, it's always just the person who's travelled the most or. 
um, had the most you know variety of different jobs that kind of seems to be able to drive the, that conversation at, at the dinner party. So, you know, if you're looking for a dinner party conversation starters, go for a trail run and <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Mm. Oh, dear. Um, uh, I lost where we were going. You were going to say something. <laughs> We've lost. Uh, <laughs> we got lost on the trails. <laughs> on the trails. Um <laughs> I've lost train of thought as well here. Let's go to um, mental fortitude because mm-hmm. I see it in both of us that our upbringing with adventure has made us into quite mentally strong and formidable characters, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when it comes to competition and sport or being in situations that where we're uncomfortable. Mm. So how do you feel that that, exploration of adventure has built your mental fortitude for me I think kind of coming back to the learning difficult growing up um, fitness and being sort of physically gifted, I suppose, um, was my avenue. It was my release. It was my expression of who I am as, as a person. And it stood, stood very well for me growing up as a kid. I now realize as an adult that while it's a, you know, it's a, a gift to have, I know that I was represented myself when I was younger as, as that person. Um, as the, the football captain or the athletics or whatever sport I was playing, that was kind of was my identity. And and now as an adult, I, you know, it is definitely who I am. But I definitely I don't want it also to be my identity as a person. And I think that resilience, because it was my identity, it's what I held on to, was the reason why it was. I fought for it so so much. You know, my reputation as a as an athlete or in competition, and you know, while I've been gifted, I'm certainly no Olympic athlete, or um, you know, never you know really played professional uh, sports. But it was on that domestic everyday level, or internally, personally, it was you know how you know how many how how much of a how long I could go for a run or sort of what weights I could do or pushing myself mentally and, um, you know, it was drawing from that that experience as a kid growing up that that kind of, rep- that kind of gave me it gave me a foundation to rest my myself and who I was as a person on because I, I, I knew I was good at it and when I was being good at it, it represented me feeling good about myself. Um, and so... Yeah, now it's now I'm using that that mental toughness, that ability to be able to go and and, and race for fifteen, twenty hours, or twenty four hour race, or whatever it is. I I've taken the the identity part out, and I've used I've got the skills still available to access as a as a competitor to be able to go. Okay, this is this is what this is the tough part. This is the this is the I want to stop part. This is the okay. You know, you you just quit now, and I can identify. I can sit with it. I can relate to it, and then I can take it on board. And then I can say, okay, well, let's just break it down into little bits. Let's 
do another hour and then we can sit down. Let's um, another hour and then we can have something to eat. Um, and then you, you realize that how much of that plays into just everyday life. And, um, I now use those experiences as much as I can in everyday life. It's, we're not going to do some study. It's like, okay, you've got to sit down and let's do 10 minutes of study and then you can get up and do 10 burpees or <laughs> do some pull-ups that I'm you know, looking at my pull-up bar at home. Um, and so you, you start to become crafty and you start to become clever about your ability to be able to use the mental toughness in everyday life. And I definitely think it's completely reversible. So if someone has an ability to be able to be headstrong, then maybe they're really successful at work, uh, maybe they have a great um, ability to, to, to learn and, and kind of get stuff done in the books or at the office, that mental ability can be transferred mm, into the world of fitness. It, it's, it's completely the same thing in terms of when you're faced with a challenge or you're faced with an obstacle. It's like, how do, you, how do you approach a paper at work? How do you approach a meeting that you're dreading? Like you've got to let someone go. And maybe you're a person that does it really easily. You know, I've got friends who have photographic memories. You know, they can do it, but they could not for the life of them get themselves to the gym more than twice a week. And I say, okay, well, use your skill set to utilize that for the benefit of yourself physically. You know, I tr- I'm trying now as a as, you know, dad to train myself in the mind more now than I, than I am physically because um, I've got a foundation of physical health and wellness that I you know, look after. I know how to do it. It's second nature for me now. But it's the mind and it's how do I create um, a level of financial freedom that I'm happy with, that I can have balance at my home. Um, so that correlation between the fitness world and reality or the real world or work or whatever that might be for people, I think they need to identify the similarities between the two, how they can utilise what skill set they have mm. to benefit themselves in the health and wellness sector. Yeah, and as you said, draw on the people around them that have those skills that they can be inspired by or learn by. So if, if this is all very foreign, like if, if I needed to learn about finance, I'd go to my finance-savvy friend. Yeah. If you want a sense of adventure and you want to bring that into your world and get into nature more often and, and be present, then go hang out with your friends that love the outdoors or go to yeah. get out of your comfort zone and go to a meditation or mindfulness with them and... Uh, yeah, yeah I, random memory. One of your ex-girlfriends was the main one that introduced me to meditation and mindfulness, ironically. And, you know, I'd been pretty resistant to it uh, as we both had for, for quite a long time. But it took her sitting on the beach with me to do the experience with me to, for me to feel that transformation, whereas I tried it on my own plenty of times. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think the the power of communities um, is so amazing, and um, I'm always telling people, "I say, oh, you know, how do I get into to fitness? Or I want to be healthier. I want to be, I want to lose weight. I want to do this. I want to do that." And I, 
my first point, first, first thing I say to them is, A, just do something. Um, and when I say just do something, the simplest thing, the act of packing a bag to go to the gym mm, is something. You totally. know, that is something. Put it in the car. You know, go to the gym. If you don't go into the gym and you and you go to buy, a, um, you know, some ice cream, like at least you went to the front of the gym. You know, like it's everyone's going to have incremental, you know, my, you know, meditation for me was kind of the same. It was like, okay, well, I remember the first meditation class I I went to, I fell asleep. I was like, fell asleep straight away. Um, <laughs> but now I can meditate for, you know, half an hour by myself at home every day. And so when you involve, when you involve yourself in a community, you bring people around, that support network, um, you know, things can happen. And um, I... I triathlon, um, running groups, swim clubs, um, CrossFit, um, yoga classes. Like these are all places where, you know, similar like-minded people hang out. And I think the, the more people find their, their community, their, their tribe, mm. um, the more they can kind of grow in that, in terms of that. Yeah. Cause our world's pretty disconnected these days. Uh, yeah, definitely. It's just sad. Uh. Yeah, I've certainly missed that um, community through sport in high school and, you know, early 20s even because you had multiple. You know, I think back, I was like, I was on a swim team, I was on a water polo team, I was on a netball team, football team. There was multiple communities and then we get into adult life and mm. we go to work and we might go yeah. for a run on our own and maybe see some friends on the weekend but... Yeah, and then obviously the last 10 to 15 years, social media has added to that disconnect Yeah, in a great way. I can't tell you, like, going camping and it not being accessible by phone. Oh, God, it's a good feeling. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, but you, you, you can get these new wireless um, Oh, shit, no. I don't want to know about can, it. You can Instagram your, your experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the hypocrisy is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, um, I was going to ask you, I don't think I know the answer to this question. Yeah. What would be the toughest moment you've had in pursuit of adventure? Like the moments where I'm done, I can't do this, the, it, you know, you've tried to be rational, but it's been your deepest, darkest moment where you've feared I might not come out of this one or this one's going to be super tough to come out of. In terms of being on an adventure and yeah, or, like or, a or race a fit, or something. Or a fitness or, yeah, training um, pursuit. Um, like even survival, um, the survival race you did. No, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, like for me that the survival run was just, like I had a smile on my face from ear to ear. That's why they didn't put um, you on the on the video much because you were having too much fun where it was meant to yeah. look like everyone was just suffering. <laughs> Then we had to carry a, a like a twenty three kilo rock for eight k's. That was pretty grueling, um, and that was a moment where I was like, "Oh, okay, this is hard." Look, to be honest, it's in terms of adventure that you. When I go kayaking, sometimes and it's been snowing the night before, and you get out and there's snow everywhere, and you've got to get in the water, and it's freezing cold, and you. You know, and then you, 
you um, someone has a capsize and you've got to get out of your boat and you and you're wet and you're cold and you know all of those elements at the, absolutely at that moment in that time you're you're thinking that you know you know that it's not worth it or you're like oh why am I here what am I doing this for you you have this I don't know, I just have this thing where I'm like, okay, well, let's just keep going now and it's going to be over soon. Um, and I, you just, it, I think because you've been doing it so long, you just, it kind of happens. And you know, going back to the, the relationship with people in the office, you know, I look at some people who work, you know, they get into work at seven and they leave at 10 and they do mm. that five days in a row. I'm like, how do you do it? Like, mm. I just... It baffles me that someone could do that, but I know that conversely, if someone looks at kind of going for um, doing a, a race that goes for twenty hours, like how do you do that? Hmm. Um, but for me, that was just like, I'll do it again in a heartbeat. It's not a it's not an issue. But I suppose what I do struggle with now is expectation and um, self expectation. And probably in a community as well, um, the expectation of my performance um, is something that I have become that I've realised now that I actually run away from, uh, and it comes back to competition. And when there's a competition, if it's a, I think I enjoyed team sports so much um, because you know if you lost, it was the team's responsibility. But when there's an expectation for me in an individual sport that, you know, it's potential that I could win or at least do very well, then the level of anxiety and kind mm. of being scared about going into the race really is very evident. And it, it's only been in the last yeah, 18 months now, I kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm identifying with this sense of avoidance because I'm like, oh, I might, I might shag this, this, um, event or I might just, oh, I'm a bit sick going into it. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a bit sick telling, like telling the community I'm a bit sick or I'm a bit injured. Or, no, I'm not feeling great today because I'm setting and, and the behavior of setting myself up for failure. Mm. Um, and I realise that that's something I've, I've got to kind of overcome. But, you know, when it's an Ironman, you know, I'm probably not, you know, I'm, I'm not expected to win, so I go out there and enjoy it. Mm. Um, and I think that's part of my style in, in sort of all my fitness. You know, I don't, I, I'm, I don't record workouts. I don't record my weights. I don't, um, I, you know, I can tell you my sort of, PBs on my marathons and Ironman and stuff but you know when it comes to sort of everyday stuff I don't really do that and I think that's a good and a bad thing because it's good it's I just train for feel I you know I'm feeling good today I'm I'm gonna go for it and other days it's like nah I'm definitely not feeling good in this training session it's not gonna be a, a, a take home it's gonna be just a you know purposeful movement but then when it comes to competition, it's like, oh, you know, people are looking at me in the community going, oh, yeah, I think Adam's going to win this. Adam's going to win this. Mm. 
then as like the shutdown kind of happens and I'm like, oh, oh no, and you know, the communication, you know, the conversation becomes, oh, yeah, I trained yesterday, so I'm not, I'm not feeling a bit sore, probably not, you know. Um, and that's definitely something that I struggle with um, and trying now to to put myself in those uncomfortable positions where um, I've got to be involved, I've got to be around people where I'm not the best in the class or I'm not the strongest mm. or the have, the have the fastest times. Um, you know, I... Um, it's a feeling yeah, I'm, I'm sure many can relate to. I've come across plenty of athletes that experience similar whether whether they are the best or not or, or in the top contenders it's a feeling that they they have anyway it's like oh I could do all right here I could do a personal best or um this could be my opportunity to finally achieve what I've set out to for the last however many years in my pursuits and it's that thought that then sets them up for sabotage of oh, no, I don't even, like, I don't know what that looks like. Who am I once I achieve that? Oh, I might just subconsciously put a few things in place to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, yeah. I see it all the time, whether it's a drop in consistency of training or um, overdoing it to create a problem uh, that gives yeah. them a reason not to achieve their optimal performance. And that it, human behaviour, I think, as you said, it's so common and I've always, you know, at times not... Not in the last couple of years, but when I was younger, I would get so frustrated at you. <laughs> I was like, at me? Oh, Why? Who knew? <laughs> well, because you've got all this talent, natural born and talent and cultivated and, and dedicated talent that I don't have, that I would give anything for. And I was like, he's just wasting his talent and he's not putting himself out there. He could win this. He could do this. He could go to Olympics. He could win this. He could do that. But he doesn't. <laughs> And it's so interesting. Um, you know, when I was younger, I'd get perplexed about it. I was like, what are you doing? I don't understand. And then as I got older and, and understood it more and understood you more, I was like, that's just who he is. And it means that, um, that I'd say that that has acted as a vehicle for you to explore so many different things in life and variety of things. Because had you kept a competitiveness about you, say, in the Ironman example, you probably would have come become you know all focused on say going to Kona and doing certain times and being at the top and then between when you did Ironman and now there's been so many adventures and things you've pursued that you would have missed out on had you put your single focus into one sport yeah so I feel like it has directed you in multiple ways to not pursue like being the best at one thing yeah well yeah exactly I mean that's that's definitely, um, you know, it's very evident. Yeah, I, um, I, I, part of my attention span is, is so short um, and that's why I got into so many different sports, tried different things as much as I could. Um, and, you know, I think those adventures give me that avenue, they give me that release and, yeah, I just, it's the more the more variety I can have in my life, the more joy it brings to my life. Mm. And while I get that um, some people fall head over heels with a particular sport and, and something and they just want to go gung-ho at it, um, you know, I, I think longevity is, is the key. Enjoyment is the key. It's like how many 
professional sports persons, do you see that once they're finished, mm-hmm. they're overweight, they have drug addictions, they get to they get depression, they they become they just recoil into this um, this world of of who am I and what what identity do they have? And, yeah, it breaks my heart. Um, I read in um, yeah. Liesl Jones's biography, um, mm-hmm. Body Lengths. She hates swimming. She won't step foot in a pool. Yes. That, oh, it just breaks my heart to, you know, we have to find joy, whether it's our professional sport or not. Mm. I think there has to be joy. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that's, you know, while there was times where I pushed myself and I kind of, there was a goal and a purpose you know, for a race and, you know, it's like, okay, once that race is over, it's like, okay, well, what other adventure or kind of thing that I can do to kind of pursue my, my interest in? I remember once, um, one time when I was, I was in the cross-country team and uh, we had a Saturday morning sport and we had to go and it was raining and I just wasn't really feeling, no real particular reason, just wasn't feeling up to it. And I said to my mum, Mama, I don't think I'm going to go today. And Mum clocked me straight away and said, mm, yeah, no, you are going. <laughs> I was like, no, I don't want to. She goes, why? I said, oh, I just don't feel like it. She goes, well, that's not a good enough reason. You're going to the race. Like, you, you've you committed to this race. You're going to go do it. And I was like, yeah, all right, off, off I trotted. And, you know, and I went and did the race. And you just, that was... I pushed through it, but then when I got there, I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't because I'd done too much running. I'd made a commitment to, to this this team and this sport, and I did the run, and I got so much out of it and enjoyed the race. And um, But then, you know, I had the freedom to be able to, you know, go play football that weekend or do another, spin and do track and field. And um, I was always looking for new and fun ways to kind of keep going but I appreciated the the effort and work that went into to doing it as and well that's another good point you made like even though that was a race and an event um the same can be said for a training session that we talk ourselves out of it's too wet it's too cold it's too windy mm. um I don't feel like it I'm too flat I, I can't be bothered whatever the reason that's coming up um we, we just don't know what could happen out there in terms of a breakthrough or how good we might feel if we did it. I, it was about a year ago, just under a year ago, I had spoken to you on the phone or we were, we were texting and I was having a particularly bad day and hadn't left bed for I don't know how many days and I just couldn't. I wanted to be able to go out for a ride. It was a really nice day, but I was just stuck in that low mood cycle and you said something along the lines of but what if you miss an opportunity for beauty in nature or something like that well that's how I interpreted it (laughs) it would have been very poetic oh yeah totally (laughs) not just get your ass out of bed what are you doing (laughs) anyway that day I I did um, it took a lot of effort to just put on my clothes, just put on the lycra, just put on the socks. I remember it vividly. And I took a photo for you out on my ride. I don't know if I ever sent it. 
But I took a photo because there was this beautiful sunrise and I'd climbed this hill that I was not quite fit enough to climb and my heart rate was through the roof and I, I looked behind me and saw this view. And I'm like, well, there's my opportunity that I would have missed. And obviously I, I felt fantastic that day. And it's those moments of building that bank of evidence when you choose to do something when the desire was to not do it. And you build that bank of evidence um, to overflow the negative or the excuses. Yeah. Super valuable. Yeah, yeah I think um, anticipating the excuses is, a, is such a valuable tool because you, you know, generally it's morning. You know, we took a morning sessions. It's, um, uh, are you prepared? Is your bag packed? Is your lunch made? Um, you know, is everything by the door ready to go? And you're set. Set up for like success. Mm. If you know the, I love that saying. You, if you're not prepared, you're preparing for. What was it? Preparing for success, or you're preparing for failure. Um, you know, and it's those little things that it help all the way along. It's um, making sure you do those things because you, your body will, your mind will give you the opportunity to say, well, you want to, you want to do this one, Adam, or you want to, want to sit this one out." It's mm. like. If you've committed to it the night before, you're far less likely to, to wimp out and go, yeah, you know, another snooze and roll back over. But, I, I mean, this is a pretty morbid kind of way to, and simplistic, sim, uh, simplistic way to kind of view it. But, you know, I always say, what would I, would I give anything to have this training session if I could never have it again? Mm. Oh, it's you know, not like, morbid at all. Well, maybe it is for some, but I have a similar thought process. Like it's like if I was, you know, I've got a friend, triathlete, really mm. um, advanced triathlete, had a freak accident on a jumping castle and then mm. was in a, um, in a wheelchair and then was on the bike um, trying to train still for Ironman um, Iron and then got hit by a car on his, on, on his bike when he was, um, you know, using Wheelchair athlete, yeah. In wheelchair. So, you know, would he give the opportunity hmm. to be in my shoes and go for that run? I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we know the answer. Yeah. And, it's, and while it's such a simplistic kind of thing to do, it's, you know, you, if you just prepare the night before, prepare the bags, get it all set, and then when you have that moment in bed where you go, mm, yay or nay, it's like this is an opportunity and um, – and even like it doesn't, uh, this it doesn't have to be this intense session. It doesn't no. have to be. Oh, uh, I've got. Uh, I'm dreading these, you know, five eight hundreds that I've got to do under this particular time. Like, if you really get there and you do the track and it's like it just didn't happen, then it's maybe it's eight two hundred or maybe it's eight four hundreds or um, maybe it's a, a mobility session or maybe it's, um, you know, some other kind of. Um, experience or opportunity to get a session in whatever it may be. Yeah, and, and celebrate the win rather than yeah. beat yourself up for not doing the exact plan. And I think having those ABCD plans to employ when you're not feeling 100% is golden. I call it finding the grey area um, and embracing it and enjoying it and um, yeah, let's say it's a 60-minute session, but you can't be bothered to set out, I'll just try 30. And mm. you, But you've got to celebrate that win rather than going, oh, I only did 30. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, you brought up mum earlier and I can't believe we've spoken for an hour about adventure and she hasn't really come up. But our mum has an incredible adventurous spirit that has impacted both of us. And you two climbed Mount Kilimanjaro together for your 30th birthday. Yes. And there's a, um, there was a moment where mum was really struggling towards the top and I think that epitomises a couple of the topics that have come up today around finding joy, being vulnerable, using humour and laughter in adventure to, to overcome and you're very good at that. <laughs> so how did you get, yeah. what, what was mum experiencing and how did you get her through it? Um, well, I suppose, um, I mean, our mum is, is small in stature, but, you know, big in heart and um, she's always had a, an amazing aerobic capacity and, and strength. So physically there's definitely no that she would be able to sort of complete it, but it was more the environment of the of the the we were in being in Africa. Um, and she hadn't been. I think that was the first time she'd travelled to sort of a a third world um, country. So she wasn't. She was very intimidated by security and risks, and all those kind of elements. Um, and then the walk started, it was fine, and mum was having a very enjoyable time. But I think when you, she was pushing herself in terms of environmental stresses, not necessarily physical stresses, mm. but environmental stresses. Um, and on the day of the, when we summit, you, they get you up really early. Well, pretty much don't go to bed, but it's like 2 a.m. in the morning, altitude um, is kind of affecting you. You know, a fair bit at this point. You feel like you've just got a, a big hangover. Um, and you started walking. It was It's obviously dark. And this particular night, it, it started snowing. And you, you – and there's only two – my mum and two other, other ladies in our group. So it was four of us, our guide, and then a couple of Sherpas and stuff. So you, you kind of take an accumulation of 10 days of hiking in this new environment and then – all of a sudden, it's 2 a.m. in the morning. Um, there's no landmarks around. It was snowing so that you couldn't see the stars or the, the, the moon. Um, you've just got a little head torch in front of you and you're just walking up. And it's pretty much six hours of just continual kind of little baby steps up in front of you and just like trudging up following this, this guide. And so if your mental state is not where it should be and you kind of let the the solitude and the darkness kind of get to you. It's like, where, where are you going to go with your thoughts? You know, mm. um, you've got no other stimulus around you. It's, it's just in front of you. And I think mum felt that that for her. And I mean, she was fine, but there was, you know, it was like I could see mum wanted um, distraction. She wanted that kind of feeling of, okay, something else is here or I'll, and kind of getting herself out of her mind. So I sang, uh, I sang Mary Poppins for about an hour and a half on repeat <laughs> <laughs> with minimal, <laughs> minimal oxygen. I was like, oh, that was, oh, that was good, Adam. Just sing it, a, sing, it a, sing it again, will you? <laughs> 
So you know, it, I basically just sang Mum up to the the um, the first um, major sort of saddle until the sun came up, and um, from that point on, it was you know it was just a magical and blissful experience. Um, uh, but the you know they talk about we talk about people's joy and where they get the most joy out of, and for me, un, unequivocally, it's when I'm in the wilderness and people are feeling out of their comfort zone, like the me being that person to comfort them, to guide them, to make them feel safe is like, I just love that, that, um, that gift that I can give people. And so, um, you must be yeah, holding out that gift on me. What's that? You must be holding that gift out on me because (laughs) (laughs) all you do when you take me into dangerous situations is um, make me more scared. (laughs) You don't make me feel safe. (laughs) (laughs) I want to make sure you're safe, you're scared, and then I'll uh, look after you. I looked after you that time I smashed you into the tree on the toboggan. No, you didn't. You smashed me into the tree. Yeah, I know, but after that, I looked after you. Maybe you're just building my resilience so that I can help others. Exactly. I'd say that's what's happened. Yeah. <laughs> I'll um I'll actually link to a podcast that Mum was interviewed on and tells her story of, of adventure, um, which is beautifully enlightening and lots of stories I didn't even know about her, which is pretty cool and um yeah. great for those parents out there as well, bringing up kids and worrying about how to make sure that they're resilient and tough and can withstand what life's going to throw at them. And I think the lessons that you and I have learnt through adventure and those situations that our parents have put us in has absolutely enabled us to pursue sport and reduce fear and in circumstances that would paralyse others with anxiety. Yeah, exactly. And you're a dad now. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. How is adventure shaping parenthood? Well, our daughter Sequoia has um, probably seen more national parks than the average American. So she's eight um, months old, for perspective. She's yeah, eight months old. Um, she's um, part of me is fearful that she's not going to like the outdoors. Um, which is which, ridiculous. That's not going to happen. Maybe the better. You know, I, the reality is that it could, and I'm. Um, I'm as a parent now. It's um, I'm I I want to remove the the expectation that adventure has to happen in the wilderness or mm. um, it has to be this um, full on thing. Uh, for me, it just I want her to find adventure in the playground. I want her to find the adventure in the park. Great. Um, I want her to find adventure at home, you know, whether or not it's climbing behind the TV and finding all the, the electrical cables, you know. Let's see what kind of adventure that finds you. Shit. How about that? She was eating the power cords the other day. I said, well, you want to find adventure, Toots? You found it now. <laughs> Firecracker up your ass. Tell you. Boing. Boing. So I just think I'm not I'm, – I'm allowing myself to be – just to be a, a guiding light, I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm not anticipating. I'm not predicting, and I'm not um, trying to shape her interests. Um, you know, um, I'm trying to be neutral on it. I'm. You know, we're not doing 
lots of pink girly stuff and, you know, we're just giving her um, neutral stuff and, you know, lots of boiled balls to play with, lots of, you know, just adventure stuff that she can find around the house. Mm. And um, I, I just, I don't want to, I'm mindful of it. I don't want her to be this fitness freak fanatic that she thinks that it's all about the fitness. I want, but I want her to be fit and healthy. I want her to yeah. live a happy life. Um, Find the essence. Um, <clears throat> of course, there's a, there's a, you know, a perfect daughter that I would like to, to <laughs> see evolve. But, um, but no, generally it's, it's if I can, because as a person in the fitness industry myself, it's I, I try to bring joy to everyone's life as much as I can. My clients, you know, whether or not to, whether it's online or um, face to face, or whether I'm coaching in class, um, you know, you find getting allowing people to find the the fun in in being healthy um, is is key and crucial. And so yeah. for our daughter, it's it's um, you know setting up a, an adventure climbing gym at home with the the office stool and the the bench and the pot plant and then it's onto the table and you know that's what I, you know I love American Ninja because it just you know encapsulates that kind of adventure and balance and coordination and um, you know I think the more we can train kids to be versatile in all facets of fitness whether it's you know it might be quick cardiovascular endurance or some being strong and being able to hold their body weight and flexibility, balance, coordination, all these things that um, we do as kids but we forget about when we get older for some reason. So Yeah, we do. Yeah, um, and, and that letting them fall down and, and learn to stand back up themselves metaphorically yeah. and in reality. Amazing. Exactly. Thanks for the chat. No worries, Katie. Um, should I send the invoice to you or to mum? <laughs> what for my adventurous spirit over the last thirty plus years? <laughs> no, thank you, Katie. It's been. It's, um, you know, I think we've, you and I probably never had a nice little chat like this, so it's lovely. Mm, it is nice. Well, I hope we've inspired at least some athletes to run in the dark with maybe with a yes. head torch on or in on a trail or. Mm-hmm jump into the ocean and look for what they might find. Under swimming the, nude. Swimming, swimming nude. nude yeah. very, uh, very fr- freeing. And if anyone's ever in LA, please feel free to you know, um, contact me and um, I'm getting pretty savvy with all the, the running trails here and um, there's lots of adventures to be had in, mm. uh, in LA. Yeah, definitely. And I, I can't believe I've only just discovered this, but um, – there's all the, the meetup groups and the free online communities. You know, there are lots of um, paid adventures you can go on to have guides and professionals take you on trail walks or camping adventures, but there are just people like you and I that want company to do those things and organise meetups to go together and there's one next weekend at Wilson's Promontory and I'm just going to jump in and hang out with some randoms and go for a long walk. Yeah. Yeah, no cost, yeah. you know, yeah. outdoor is free. <laughs> yep, exactly. Amazing. All right, thank you, brother. Love you. Okay.